All right, everyone. Welcome back to View from the Mount, where we talk about real life issues through a biblical lens. I'm Matt. And as always, I have Jason here with me. And today we're going to talk about some family issues. Absolutely. I I think this is something we don't talk about enough, uh, but it's something we need to spend time on because it's the core of what we are supposed to be as God's people. Yeah, and, and there's so many different kinds of families out here, and we, we've all kind of grown up, I think, in a time where we've been taught that that's actually a strength of our country and of our culture, that we have all these different looking family units, um, and that one is just as valid and good as another. And I don't know if Scripture bears that out. I think God has a pretty clear plan for what He wants the family yeah. to look like. There, there's a pattern laid out. You know, so I think as we start, here, here's the concept, I think, that's the basis for everything. Uh, the family is at the center of God's plan. Yeah. The family existed before the church existed. Mm-hmm. And, and so that becomes the basis for our understanding. God is the creator, the establisher of the family. Yeah. And, and as we go through those Old Testament scriptures, we see that the family was also kind of the first church. Um, you know, you had a father who was the priest who, who sacrificed for the family and led them. And so I think it started with the family and then the church kind of came out of that. And, and so I think our churches and even our society today, that has to be the basic building block. I wonder how much you, you know, you mentioned that kind of sparked the idea in my mind. How, how much of this has become difficult because we don't live in a patriarchal society? So this idea of nuclear family or traditional family is increasingly being lost in our society. Yeah, it's being lost. And I think it's also kind of being intentionally squashed by some quarters because to try to come back to that sort of you know, father-led family unit is has become politically in, inconvenient, you know, this whole patriarchy thing and, and the, the feminist movement. So it's almost when we try to assert that as the, as the plan of God for the family, there's an accusation from some quarters that we're just trying to, to press down women or, or whatever the Absolutely. case. And then right off the bat, you know, and we'll talk about this a little bit more as we go on, but there's just a practical reality mm-hmm. that we face in the church, in the church, where so many families don't look like that traditional nuclear family any longer. So right off the bat, it's somewhat offensive. We understand that uh, we are are speaking in generalities that don't mm-hmm. apply to a lot of people in the church, and it becomes difficult subject. It does. And, and also— this really isn't a, a conversation that we're having in order to, to judge or cast aspersions. You know, I realize there's a lot of different kinds of families out there, and there's a lot of different reasons for right, that. Right, a lot of know? variables that um, go into all got that. got single parents who've lost a spouse to to an illness or an accident or whatever, or, or for whatever the case, they found themselves with a child, you know, and, and now they're kind of in the church, and that's the way right. things are. And that's, we understand all those different situations. Right, and and so we're talking ideal yeah, we're talking what God's ideal is, and God's ideal is better for the community, uh, or however far you want to spread that out, and it's better for the church mm-hmm. as well. And if you don't, if you don't, you know, if your family doesn't fit that ideal picture, um, depending on the reasons why, don't think of this as a as a judgment that's being cast. As we point out the ideal, we're pointing out also a clear direction to move toward. And I think that those that aren't living in the ideal, so what I mean by that, you know, maybe a a single parent home, a divorced home, mm-hmm. um, whatever else the the scenario might entail. You know, not to mention getting into two moms, two dads type homes, right? right. Um, but no, no matter what we try to deal with, you know, it, it's so complicated. It, all these situations are complicated. Yeah, 
And and so we don't want to, we're not casting a judgment, but I think the people that have been, uh, families that have been divorced should be the first ones to be able to tell you that divorce stinks. Yeah, it does. And and I know some single parents out there that are doing a great job. They, they love their kids. They put all their time into their kids, but we can't pretend like kids aren't better off with two parents, a mother and a father, because, because that's how God designed it to so be. Could, could we also, and I don't know if this is, 100% accurate, but when that ideal is not met, there are consequences that we might not ever be able to know. Yeah, I think so. And I think there's plenty of consequences that we can know. I mean, we can right. look around at society and see the statistical uh, crime rates from people who come out of broken fatherless homes. I mean, these are real things that exist in our culture that have been tracked and studied and, and uh, quantified, and we can see that. And, and But then spiritually, you know, we might not ever really understand the full depth. If you don't have two parents in the house, I mean, there there are things about having a family unit that teaches us how to relate to God. This doesn't even take into account, Matt, dysfunction. Yes, of course. You know, so, you know, we both come from dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And what level are we messed up in our current homes because of that dysfunction? Yeah. Uh, are, we, are we lesser... Uh, uh, quality is there? Are there struggles in our marriages as fathers that we have? Sure. Because of that, are we emotionally damaged? I, I, I think there's no no way to exactly diagnose that, but we'd have to agree there's things that we're affected by not knowing how to love, not knowing how to be uh, have unconditional love for sure, not knowing how to discipline, you know, or forgive or whatever else. Our marriages are increasingly complicated because mm -hmm. of our upbringing. Yeah. And, and it affects us even, even when we determine not to allow them. I mean, I, I'm sure I've made mistakes in my own family just by trying not to do, you know, what was done. Right. And then I overcorrect in the other, in the other direction. And so, yeah, that it absolutely does have an effect on our, on our families going forward. And then it's so, going to affect so our So God kids. has an ideal. Mm -hmm. God has an ideal. But from very early on, that ideal began to be broken. Yes. Right. Whether that be Lamech and polygamy, mm -hmm. uh, that ideal one man, one woman for life as right. being the center of the family. Um, and, and then continuing on, I mean, you just read through the scriptures and you see the pain and the hurt and the problems that emerge from individuals and communities because of the ideal not being met. Yeah. And so I think we need to talk about some different things about how God planned the family to look in terms of sure. structure and why God structured the family the way he did. And, and also how the family ought to function in, in order to be God's mm -hmm. plan for the family. Well, the, the family, you know, I think, and, and I don't know if this is the first place to go or not, but, you know, when we talk about purpose, when we talk about why the family exists, mm -hmm. the family is the best way to pass on moral values yeah. uh, from generation to generation. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and what we've done is we passed the buck to the church mm -hmm. as, as being the center of passing on morals and virtue. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I believe that's secondary at best. I believe that the primary place where that should happen, that's not, uh, I, I think what the temptation is to think that, well, we're not living in patriarchal society anymore. We're not living under the Old Testament. The church is central. The church is central. And, and I don't believe that is uh, uh, bound up in the Old Covenant. I believe that's a timeless principle, uh, an eternal principle. Yeah. And and we can see that old covenant stuff where the, where the parents were instructed to teach their kids all yeah. the time. As you walk along the road, when you get up, as you lay down, all the time, it was a time of instruction uh, on, on the scriptures and on how to live your life in an upright way. And I wonder, do you think this is a, a problem that exists 
just in like sort of Western culture or do other countries do better at this? Because what I see here is you mentioned wow. that people put it on the church. Well, that's kind of an extension of this whole, you know, let, let the government educate my kids, public school sort of mentality. You've got parents out of the home, both parents working most of the time. And so they don't spend that time with their kids that, that maybe at one time they wow, just naturally would have. And I, and I didn't even consider that, that a- aspect to, to how that ideal might be at least uh, dented, mm-hmm. uh, cracked, you know, with, with the idea of, you know, two parents working, whatever else. Just and, and I'm not talking about right or wrong with that. I'm talking about the fact that there's a very real need for that to happen yeah. because of uh, our, our lifestyle expectations. And that might not be present in other societies. They might be more patriarchal. But I believe that, and, and I think we'll kind of come to this, but the family, there's a spiritual thing behind this. The yeah. family is under attack. It is. It, it, it absolutely is. And we're being taught that it's not necessary for people to get married. You know, it's not necessary right. to even really have a, a child if you become pregnant with a child. You know, like you, it's all about the self. It's My all about goodness. what's convenient it, and, for and, you. And, and then, and this an endless conversation about about where the problems lie and how that progresses. So, like you, you know, you mentioned, you know, dual working homes, and then you know, we we talked about single family and divorce and and all these other things. This, there are so many scenarios. That, that come to the table uh, with this. And, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, it's dangerous for where, we, where we're headed. I think where we're headed in, in American society yeah. is dangerous. I don't think we're unique. I think the family's always been attacked. Okay, and so let's kind of put this up and, and, and sketch this out a little bit. So if the family is under an attack, and I agree that it is, who's attacking the family and what's their real end goal, do wow. you think? I mean, what's the point of trying to destabilize us on that level? Okay, so the the canned answer is is a right answer, right? It, it's it's the Satan and forces of evil. Yeah, right. We're not in battle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil. I, I believe that the family is a target of Satan, maybe as much, maybe more than the church is. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yes, but but. You know whether we call them Satan's minions or not, there are other factors involved, and that includes uh, just the the pressure from Hollywood and pop culture, and from uh, every every about every angle you look at, at TV, and you can see in sitcoms the attack on the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you 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 absolutely can see that, and and we can see the results of that, as I mentioned, in our culture. And so, I guess my question is, you know. It, it's pretty easy to to cast people who who hold the opposite side of some of these views as just being wicked people, but I think most people are just really trying to do what they think is right. And I have a hard time, I have a hard time getting my mind wrapped around how how people can think this is a better route to go. Like no, and I don't believe they family. do. I, I believe there's people in, in different situations that crave nuclear family. Yeah. Uh, now I I get there's. There are factors, you know, that that might uh, you might say that's an exception to that, but I I believe that broken homes, whatever reason they're broken, uh, you know, you see this with children, right? You see a child that is in foster care mm-hmm. that has a an addiction uh, problem in their family, has an abusive parent, and where do they always want to be? Yeah, they always want to be with their their parents, and and there's something in us, something innate that desires that. Yeah. And so 
you know, the family's under an attack and, and there's, there's all these as a result of that. And so when I say family's under an attack, we mean the nuclear family, we mean the biblical right. father and mother and their children. And so as a part of that attack, it's not just disintegrating those units or preventing, you know, talking people out of getting married in the first place, but we see all these sort of counterfeit family structures, whether it's two moms or two dads or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever the case might happen to be. Um, what do you think the danger is in sort of normalizing that? I mean, we've talked about the effects on a child and our dysfunctional families. Well, there the dangers are are we're we're propagating evil. One, yeah, and and and, and there's societal implications, and then there's next step. Mm-hmm. Right? What there's always a, a, you know a next step, and this you know what we're seeing. We could have seen years ago. People started observing and looking at where we're headed and and could see this coming from a mile away. So, you know, as the family crumbles, as the family unit crumbles, society's crumbling underneath. Our our society is going to crumble underneath the family unit. Yeah, and, and maybe that is the end goal for some people because that creates a, an environment where people can step in and take power, right? I mean, you, you've got a strong family unit that's raising moral uh critically thinking children, you know, the way that we ought to be doing, those are difficult people to control, but you've got people who are hurt and broken and they, and they've never had a father mm-hmm. figure or, or a stable family life. They don't have any idea how to relate to other people or to God or to anything. And they just need right. to be led and, and, and taught and cared for. Absolutely. So if you're a young person and you're not, and you haven't established a family, I, I think the snapshot of the ideal yeah. is where we should be, Right. This is the type of home I want to establish, you know, a mother, father, children. And, you know, you kind of hinted at part of the problem is, is, you know, one, people aren't getting married any, as much anymore. Or they aren't having children. Uh, and, and these are societal problems mm-hmm. as much as they are uh, spiritual problems. They're society. Those are going to be lingering problems in our society. Yeah. And, and I, you know, we're seeing this for some different reasons, I think. So when we talk about why people maybe are starting families at a lower rate than they used to, um, for some reasons it's, it's, you know, people are holding off for a career or, or to, Mm -hmm. you know, to make enough money or, well, we're going to wait and get married until we can buy a house or I need to clear some of my debts out of the way. There's all these reasons. No, it's all self. Family, family is selfless. It is. But, but I've, I've heard people make these arguments of, you know, it will be best for my family if I have an established career, you know, it's, it's, and I can't, man, I can't articulate enough. Don't wait on that to start a family. You know, some of our best memories, when we got married, my wife and I, not Jason and I, um, when my wife and I got married, uh, we, we had some tough times. I mean, we weren't making much money. We both had, you know, minimum wage sort of jobs. And some of our best memories come out of that time of being close and working together to establish ourselves. Um, and, and getting your feet set on the ground, that's something that you do together as, as you grow your family up. And, and sometimes I think if you, You've got these people who've waited until they're 30, 40 years old to get married. They've already established themselves as an individual and trying to now build someone else into that life the way that, that a marriage ought to be intermingled is really difficult. Yeah. And and children, you know, create a different dynamic in that. You know, mm-hmm. children aren't a burden, they're a blessing. Yeah. And we don't we need to talk like that more often. I think I think one of the things I know we're gonna kind of come to, you know, the church and all and all this and how we handle things. 
But as as the church, we need to be advocates for the family. We need to be a voice for the family. Yeah. Uh, and and what we should do is we should you know we should talk about you know uh, marriage is a good thing, mm-hmm. right? A gift from God. He who finds a wife finds what is good and finds favor from the Lord. And children are a blessing from the Lord. So family as a unit is a means to bless and to help and in uh, in every way uh, for us to bear one another's burdens. And when that's missing. There's something missing. Yeah, and there's something missing from us as individuals. And, and because of that, because, you know, the Scripture tells us that that in the church we're living stones, right? We make up the church of Christ. And so when we're broken, when we're flawed yep. on those levels, it, it affects the structural integrity of the church. And, yep. you know, the church needs to teach that. But also, you know, the way the family is, the strength of our families is going to affect the strength of our church. And, and it's... On the most basic level, and I'm sure this is why God planned it that way. You know, you've got a husband and wife come together, and the, and the Bible says they become one flesh, and then your children are an extension of that. You're you're related to and and connected to your family in a way that you're not to anyone else. And and if that's not a way that teaches us how to be the church, I don't know what else could be. And and we see, you know, the church is this small unit with the father at its head, and then we see the church is a larger, blown up sort of picture of that same structure. And then Christ is the head of the church. It just keeps building uh, yeah. in, in that way. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we do need to, you know, and, and and so let's talk about this a little bit. Where do we go as the church? So we're leading in a church, and we have situations where family families of the people sitting in the pews every week are struggling. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think about this quite often. I get up to preach, and and there's situations I know about, and some I don't know about. There are marriages about to collapse. Yeah. There, you know, there's people on the brink of divorce that I have no idea. Mm-hmm. There's adulteries that are going on. There's mm-hmm. uh, abuse that's going. All that stuff is taking place. Not to mention all the dysfunction that people bring to the table from their past and their present. So how do we navigate that as the church? We can't we can't not teach what the Bible says. Sure. And and I think we can address these things broadly from the pulpit, you know, teach these principles. Um, but there also I think has to be some personal accountability. The church has really fallen into this modern mindset of mind your own business and don't get mixed mm. up in other people's affairs. And that's fine for the world, but the church was never called to be that. Um, we are we are our brother's keeper. And so that interdependence, having people in our lives who know the situation, you know, if your friend is struggling in their marriage, you go to them, you know, you try to help them along. The the church should address these issues, uh, one Christian to another. You know, when we have people attending week after week here, we just sort of playing house and we know it, that's something that ought to be addressed. It's not something that can just go unanswered from the church because when we let these situations unfold and kind of step back, what we're saying is the church doesn't have any stake in that. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And we've seen that. Uh, sure. And, you know, where we are in the past year, we've seen different family dynamics unfold mm-hmm. and how that's affected the church. Whether that be people leave the church, people take sides, or just the spiritual crushing that that leaves of an ind- individual. You know, you cannot have family problems. And, and I think the Bible plays this out, right? You know, where it, all, over and over again, it talks about, connects like our marriage, you know, and our walk with God, God hearing our prayers or or whatever else. You can't have a bad relationship with your family mm-hmm. and expect to have a good relationship with God. No, you absolutely cannot. 
And so as we talk about these things, you know, we're saying, yes, let's address these situations in the church, but that's, that can be a messy business, right? I mean, and especially when there's really a problem, it seems like the more there's really a problem, the less people want your nose in it. No doubt. And so things can get hostile and they can be uncomfortable. Well, about a month ago, you know, I, I been, you know, I'd been preaching through the book of Malachi and, and, you know, I mapped this out and I got to the passage, you know, God hates divorce. Yeah. So I, I was going to preach on marriage and divorce uh, that Sunday, and, and I did. And, and well, I did, you know, you, you can see, I could see in the eyes of some people the hurt that came with that. I had comments, more comments on that than maybe uh, the average sermon, just because it, there were raw wounds, yeah. you know, I, 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 there were tears. I wasn't hateful. I wasn't mean. I wasn't vindictive about it. I think I, I'm, not, I'm not sorry for right. uh, speaking the truth. It needed to be said. No one was offended in that way. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it does open wounds. Uh, it does. You know, so, you know, preach on divorce and half the audience has been divorced. Right. Uh, that's the reality in the church. Yeah, that's or, true. Or half the audience has been affected by it. at least half the audience has been affected. Yeah. And but sometimes I don't know are we opening wounds when we do that or are we exposing them? You know, I have got you well, know doing the youth ministry here. We've got kids that come in from from rough situations and bad homes. The wounds are there. They're hurting and they don't know how to trust God. They don't trust me, yeah. you know. And you can tell not only have they had people who've hurt them and that causes an issue. They've had well-meaning people you yeah. know, say nice things and offer to help and then fall short and, and, and fall away and not follow and through. And so even, even an offer to help is met with skepticism. These kids are, are older than their years and they've been through hard stuff. They have. And, you know, and, and we've seen people that have been hurt by the church. Yeah. We've seen horror stories, but by far, by far, I've seen more people hurt in their homes. Mm-hmm. The home has been, it can be the biggest source of blessing or it can be the biggest source of pain. I think that might be, you know, to go back to answer your question about why people aren't wanting to establish family, to love is to make yourself vulnerable. Yeah. When you choose to love somebody, uh, what you do in marriage and you do when you have children, you know, I, and we've got uh, millions of kids running around in our house. Right. And, and every time I realize that that can be a great blessing as God intended and designed it to be, but there are Potential is a heartbreak that would not be there if we did yeah. not have children. No, not only potential, I'd say there's an assurance of assurance heartbreak. Assurance of heartbreak. Yeah, yeah you're, you're going to cry. Real, we're talking know? real parenting, yeah. right? We're talking real parenting where your children, you're wondering if you're getting it right. Your children mm-hmm. aren't obeying. You know, they might rebel. They might choose not to love you. They, uh, man, something physically could happen. Yeah. You know, and and you set yourself up for for heartache. And people aren't willing to make themselves vulnerable to love. Yeah, and and I would contend, you know you're going to have heartbreak no matter what you do in your life oh, and, well, and having a family that's the irony. is worth it. That's the irony of it. Right. The, right. The irony of it is that not, not having that, uh, it cause it's still, this principle is still true. It's not good for man to be alone. No, because, you know, you look at these people who, you know, have a problem with, with cutting themselves, for example, because they feel so empty that, that even hurting is better than feeling nothing. It's better than emptiness. And I would assert the same is true in our lives. Yes, having a family is going to cause you to have heartache, but it's certainly better than the emptiness that you're going to experience alone in your life. That's but not good. It is good. a blessing. God says it's, it's a, a wonderful blessing. blessing. It, it really is. And and it's worth it. You know, it, It's a yes. blessing when it's functioning right. It's yeah. not a blessing when it's a disaster. Yeah. And, 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 and so we have to restore not only the, the nuclear family, but the mm-hmm. biblical roles. Yeah. Yeah. And so- 
the Bible talks about this in different places. You know, you got Ephesians that kind of sets out some rules for right. the household. A husband's love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, subject yourself to your husbands. Parents, you know, be gentle with your children and don't try to frustrate them, that kind of thing. Um, so he's definitely set up some some parameters for how the family ought to function. And that started all the way back right in, in Exodus or Numbers or whatever, where he's talking about teaching your children and raising them up in the way that they should go. And so what are what are some of the key points that, you know, we talked about what can the church do? I think maybe teaching on these things. Yeah. And so what are the what Man, are the pillars? I, I think uh and, and I'd love to unpackage this just a little bit, but one thing I think is that family and the church should be intertwined. Yeah. And, you know, they are two separate entities. God created the family first, and he created the church, and he had to redeem the church with the precious blood of Jesus. I, I get that. But while the family is the unit where morals and values are passed on more, the family should be heavily involved in the church as a unit. Yeah. So when when that doesn't happen, when mom's taking the kids to church and dad's not the spiritual leader or there's some other weird dynamic that's unfolding, or when church is not an important part of the family life— I believe that's uh, setting yourself up for disaster. The church is not peripheral yeah. to your family. It is it is central to your family. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. To and make. by that, I'm not talking about the church services. Yeah. I'm talking about the one another's. I'm talking about church life and church services. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a family, we, I, we do church together. Yeah. Right? We, we, we get up on the Lord's Day. We get dressed. We come to church Sunday morning and Sunday night. And Wednesday night. So we do that as a family, but our lives revolve around the church. Yeah. And that that really kind of nicely leads in the one I was thinking of also in that when your life is centered around the church, we still give our family a priority there. And, and yeah. sometimes people think, well, because I'm serving God, my family can go on the back burner. That's they need good. to understand and and they don't realize that by taking care of our families, we're serving God. Right. That, God come. God does come first. Yes. And and our and, and so like I've tried in my mind to separate what do I what is it that I'm doing that's devotion to God and what do I do that's devotion to the church? Yeah. They're not the same. No, they're not. Uh, and so when something that I do is devote my my devotion to God, mm-hmm. uh, then then I have to put that above my family. Yeah. When something is devotion to the church, I should not sacrifice my family for that. Right. And and I've heard people say, you know, in the priority list, it would be God, family, the church. And I, yeah. I, I've tried to live by that. And, and that can be a challenge, especially in ministry. To, and, and all three of those do have their co-centric, you know, yeah, a, a, sure. a, you know there, there's overlap uh, with, with those uh, for that. And, you know, to go along with that, this has to be the real deal. Mm-hmm. Right, your kids spot fakes from a mile away. Yeah. Right. So I, I believe that we really need to be in our homes, in our homes, living lives of integrity. Yeah. And really in pursuit of Jesus. Uh, and my kids need to see that in me. That they, they don't see perfection in me. Yeah. But they, but they, I hope they see the pursuit in me. Yeah. And and I think what that looks like is is obviously you know some personal uh, time in the Word. Let them see you taking that time with God. That you would pray together as a family. Um, I think one of the the greatest things that a child can see is you treating their mother, you know, the way she ought mm. to be treated. And, 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 and the whole thing starts with our marriage. So many families, they let the kids come between the husband and wife, or they elevate them yeah. even above that. And then the children go and the marriage collapses. Well, we and, had to develop this on our own. Yeah. Right. We didn't learn that from observation. Mm-hmm. I hope that my kids are going to be able to, um, 
to observe in me how they should treat their spouse. Yeah. Uh, at, at least to a large measure. Mm-hmm. Right. I hope they, they observe that. And, uh, and that's an important thing. I think you're right. I think that's one of the most important things a dad can do in his home. It, uh, it is. And, and that, that contributes to their security now, right? They feel secure in a, in a, in a home where the parents right. love each and other. And we can talk about Bible studies and devotions and prayers, but the greatest lesson they're going to, they're going to get is the one they observe, not the, not the yeah. sitting down with a Bible open. I'm all for that. Yeah. We need to, the home needs to be the place where the word of God is taught. It is. I, I think that I, I believe that. And, and if, if you're just dropping your kids off to youth group or junior church, and that's all the Bible they get, that's the only spiritual talk your children get, then, then, you know, I don't know how else to say it other than repent. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really calls, causes a problem there. And, and I think that that's yet another thing is we, you know, we mentioned earlier, there's these pressures of, of both parents often are working. They're out of the home. Your, your kids are spending sometimes, you know, half or two thirds of their yeah. waking hours with, with people who don't necessarily share your worldview. And so when we finally get home at night, we're tired, right? We, we, yeah. We're fed up with the day. The last thing you want to do is, is play around or be silly, but like, it's so important to do that. When, when the scripture tells us, teach your kids as you rise and as you lay down and as you go along the road and as you eat, it's assuming that you're with your children at all those times. You right. have to spend time with your right. family. And, we have to, and that, that's intentional. Yeah. It's not accidental. No, it doesn't actually just happen. And, and the right. teaching is, is intentional, you know, kind of talk about like in the Old Testament, they have all these feasts and festivals mm-hmm. and they were very visual. Yeah. You know, so they were visual for the fact that a child would say, and it says this lots of times in the Old Testament, and your and your son will ask you, what's the meaning of this? And then it was almost like this scripted yeah. thing. It was, it, was, it was this very intentional prompt, mm-hmm. whether that be the Passover or a sacrifice or something that was brought, what's the meaning of this? Well, here's the meaning of it, son. Yeah. And and so, but that's intentional. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we should have intentional ways to teach our children, intentional times and intentional ways yeah. to teach our children. And it, and it doesn't, as you said, always have to be a Bible study. You know, those things are good. We need to do that stuff. But I get, you know, you haven't seen the kid all day. You're just getting home. You've mm-hmm. got an hour to spend with them and, and to, for every time it to be, okay, now get out your Bible. You know, like that's not always the best right. use of that time, you know, right. just being with them. Well, you, and, and you can have biblical conversations without yes. them being uh, Bible studies yeah. per se. And if you're slick about it, they might not even realize that that's what you're doing. Right. And yeah. I love that. I love when I can get into my children's minds, find out where their head is. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I know you see this as a youth minister because you teach, but you can probably tell pretty quickly the homes where children are taught when they come into your classroom. Yeah, for the most part. Not, you know, kids are funny. They pretend to know less than they really do, and they're absorbing right. a lot. But yeah, it, it and you don't always you don't only notice it in terms of who knows what and who can answer what questions. You can see it in in the way that they carry themselves and in, the, mm-hmm. in the in the confidence they have or don't have in in the trust they have or don't have for other people. Well, you know, you say we need to start. We need to get to a point. And you kind of I know we've kind of chased rabbits here just a little bit. Uh but I believe that we need to get to the point where as uh, a church, as a leadership, family is a spiritual dynamic. Yeah. It's part of their spiritual life. And we need to hold parents accountable for their parenting. Mm-hmm. Meaning when little Johnny is rebellious, that's not Johnny's uh, dysfunction. Yeah. That's very likely mom and dad's dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is uh, a gracious rebuke. Yeah. It might just be that, and and so I, th- I think we need to learn to be able to hold parents accountable, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 teach them. Most parents have, you know, kids don't come with a manual. No, 
you know, they have, most most parents have no clue how to uh, raise godly children. Yeah, and and in the spirit of understanding the times and and what we ought to do, right? We're we're living in a culture that teaches parents that their child's dysfunction isn't their fault, right? It's it, there's a diagnosis for everything. There's right. a pill for everything. Nobody stands accountable for anything at all. And so it's not surprising that we see parents who think that way. And and part of this is going to be teaching them, you know, how to be a godly right. parent. How to love and discipline, how to correct and teach, all those things. And so maybe we do need more teaching. Maybe we need more teaching and seminars and Bible lessons and sermons on on, on family. Uh, you know, and, and I'm not a huge, you know, uh, advocate of like counseling and other things like that. But I believe if we did more of this counseling from the pulpit, we'd have less in the office. Yeah. And also if you're a solid Christian family, take a younger family under your wing and have them in your home, spend time with them, talk about, Hey, you know, the pressures of parenthood or whatever. And as you're doing that, convey some of that yeah. wisdom, let them see it in action. Because I do think, you know, we've talked before about more is caught than taught and, Sometimes we overblow it with programming and, 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 you know, special Bible studies about this or that when discipleship is maybe a more effective tool there. And I, I can tell you the effect that our church, if anything, has some very solid Christian families in it. And, and being around them and, in, and having friendships with those people has affected the dynamic of our family. Right. We've learned from that. And you start to because, see what you'd like and what you don't right. like, or and what you more what you like. And, and we've never like. taken a class on that, but we've right. just learned by. I mean, I think that's what discipleship is. Well, we if you aim at nothing, you always hit your mark. Yeah, right. So we had to. What, what's our aim? And what's our target? Our target's godly children mm-hmm. who are going to have godly children who are going to have godly children. Yeah, that's our that's our aim, and and so we have to be intentional about reaching that. That doesn't happen accidentally. Godly children are are not born; they're made. Yeah, and I think we need to uh, work that in, and we need a you know. So, so as a church, we fight for the family. Yeah, we fight for the concepts, right? The 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 construct of the family. So, I we need, I think we need to when when the family is attacked, whether that's through some type of government policy, mm-hmm. uh, when the family is under attack, we have to stand up. Yeah, and and I I think that's one area where the church has fallen terribly short in in recent years, especially is there's all these issues like this out there where the church has something to say, and I think something very important to say, but largely the church is silent, you know, and we don't stand up and, mm-hmm. and fight for these things, and so I think we absolutely need to be doing that and teaching people to get out there and fight for these things and to make them a priority. It does matter, you know. Pe- people have this mentality of well, I can do what I want and it doesn't affect you. But you know, the disintegration of the family unit does affect everyone. It yeah. affects it, not, not just that well, family. We're, we're seeing that, yeah. right? And, and our, from, from the time of, because we're, we're close enough in age, from the time that we were born until mm-hmm. now, there has been a slow fade in the family leading up to a quick crumble. Yeah. And, and so and some of the things we're seeing, whether that is an increased divorce rate, dual working homes, those were the, 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 the start. Yeah. But then, you know, in our adult life, we started to see, uh, you know, gay marriage become uh, legal. And now uh, we're so far past that. Yeah. Uh, the conversations are just absurd yes. that are related to the family. And, and uh, well, you know, we've, 
we're reaching the the the, end, the expected end. It's a very predictable outcome. Yeah, for for anyone who would honestly see what's going on and see the writing on the wall, you almost the slippery slope sort of argument almost gets laughed off at this point, and yet it is so predictable. And that's that's one big problem is that we can become complacent with these small things, and yet the people who are fighting for these ends that are counter to what the church might want. They're they're perfectly content mm-hmm. to play the long game. They're they're content they to are. raise up a new generation of kids who don't value these things and and don't understand why they would ever have been valued. And and we sit by and let small thing after small thing happen and we don't stand up and and fight against it until like you said, then all of a sudden it's a rapid rapid succession crumbling of things and, and we're left to wonder how it happened. Not to, you know, there there's spiritual dynamics there. Yeah. You know, is that spiritually dangerous for individuals, future generations, for the church right now, for all that? But I, I really believe what we see is the uh, the erosion in society. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's sustainable. And I'm not trying to be like gloom and doom and, and aside from whatever ever factor God judgment on nations might be. Aside from that, uh, I'm just talking at the... Uh, that I, I think from a secular standpoint, yeah. someone would be able to look at history and say the disintegration of the home leads to the disintegration of societies. Yeah. And and I think Gibbon talked about that in Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. uh, the disintegration of the home. And I think that we are, well, we're really beyond that. Yeah. No, I, I agree you know, with you know, that. So this conversation in, right now is not, let's watch out for it because it's coming. That was in the 90s. Watch yeah. out, it's coming. And a few people were like, well, that's conspiracy theorists. Well, we it's arrived. We're having to build, rebuild the walls. Yeah. We got we got to rebuild the walls and and it's not protect the the city, it's rebuild the city. Yeah. And 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 we can't get the cart before the horse there. I don't think that we can strengthen the church and then hope that will strengthen our families. I think we have to Amen. strengthen our families. Amen. I think, you know, you kind of asked that we were preparing and you know, Matt made a statement, uh, something like, uh, you, you said, is it, is it so goes the home, so goes the church, or is it vice versa? And yeah. I think we agreed that uh, it's, it's as the family goes, the church goes. Yeah. The church can only be as strong as the family yeah. unit. Uh, That's true. As a whole, as a whole. So, um, man, I, I, I'm convinced that as we talk about church health and church growth, maybe we need to talk more about family health and family growth. Yeah. And I think that as I've fam- done the family growth. <laughs> yeah, you have done that. Um, so as you know, if you're listening to this and 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 you are a part of the church and and you're you're kind of in agreement with what we're saying, we just encourage you to kind of take action on this. And if if yeah. your family is failing in these areas uh, or or just not doing as well as you think they ought to, make an intentional effort to to get into the word, to be praying, to be intentional with your family. And if, if you think you've got a good handle on this and you've got a solid family, then go in search of a family who needs propping up and, and disciple them. Uh, help your church to address these issues because we really we really do have to focus on some of these things because it's going to bring the church uh, much, much further back in line to and, what we ought and, to be. And, and, and I know we're wrapping up, but, but let me say that we show grace when the ideal is not met. Yeah. People need... Uh, People that have not met this ideal. So like like you're listening and you're like, ah oh, man, I, I'm I'm divorced. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I've got a, a bad marriage. I mistreated my spouse. I've been a bad parent. My children are grown. Um you can't go back and unscramble an egg. Right. And and so there but there there's grace. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and so we want to be loud and we want to be bold about what the, what the dynamic is for the family, but we don't want to do that at the expense of individuals. Right. So th- there is repentance and healing and change yeah. and all those things that are involved in this conversation. And so, but that doesn't change the ideal. Right. Right. We don't apologize for the ideal. No. And, and so, um, you know, but I just want you to know, anyone listening, that, man, if your situation's bad and it's been beyond repair and, and you know, the, w- the way to repent uh, of divorce uh, is, is to not do it anymore. Right. Right. It's not to not marry. It's, yeah. to, not, it's to not do it again. The way to, way to repent of being a bad parent uh, is to stop being a bad parent. Right. Uh, and that might mean some hard conversations, it and it might mean some difficult changes uh, need to happen. But, uh, you know, just like with anything else, when our ideal is not met, uh, grace abounds. Yeah. And and we're called to look toward the future and do the best that we can. You know, yeah. when Jesus talked to the woman at the well, he said, right. go and sin no more. Right. And, and she had previously had mm-hmm. five previous failed marriages and now and then she was shacked up with somebody yeah man talk about someone that screwed the family unit up yeah uh she did and and so you're right there is uh you know that doesn't diminish your worth and your value or anything like that it's not the unforgivable sin no. you don't need to be crushed and the church doesn't need to crush people god hates divorce but he doesn't hate the divorce no and and a, and a call to repentance isn't just a judgment. It's a. It's a. It's an offer of hope. Amen. That woman was called to repent by Jesus, and she went filled with joy and told everybody she saw about what had happened. Yeah. And and so I think we can do likewise here. And and you know if you need support from your church family and in any of these things, um, you know we of course here at Lake Mount would be glad to offer that to to whoever we were able to and go to your own churches and get that same support uh, or offer it to someone else. So I think we've pretty much covered as much as we can on this today. This is probably one of those subjects we can always circle back to. And I didn't expect, you know, we kind of filled out a, a just a outline of what we we're going to do. And Matt was like, man, that looks a little bit uh, like a lesser content, but we managed to do it and apologize if we kind of went every which direction, uh, you know, but I, I think covered some of the bases and I hope that was a blessing to somebody somewhere. Yeah, for sure. So thank you, as always, for listening in with us today. Um, You can find more of these episodes and also some sermons and lessons at our church website at lakemountchurchofchrist.org. And if you like the podcast, you you can subscribe to it on Spotify, uh, iTunes, Audible, Amazon, a bunch of other places. So wherever you're listening, be sure to click subscribe. Uh, Please leave us a comment about what you thought, or if you have any input on this, we'd love to hear back from all of you. And until then, we will see you next time. Thanks a lot. Amen.